Hi there, this is Watchin, and you are now listening to the I Choose the Ladder podcast, a podcast for Black women on the corporate climb. In this episode, you meet Tiffany White, the founder and CEO of TNW Consulting, which focuses on career development, coaching, and training. She's also an adjunct professor at DePaul University and teaches career development courses for undergraduate students. Tiffany has a diversified professional background with significant experience in the corporate and public sectors. She spent 18 years working in the financial services industry at J.P. Morgan and Chase, which is the largest bank in the United States. Her financial services experience includes campus recruiting, diversity recruiting, experienced hire recruiting, training, and talent development. She spent four years working in the nonprofit industry at Chicago Public Schools, and then her education experience includes teacher recruiting, experience higher recruiting, diversity recruiting, and training. In both sectors, she managed the diversity partnerships and historically black colleges and university relationships. Tiffany is a Chicago native and a product of the Chicago Public School System. She graduated from Clark Atlanta University in Atlanta with a Bachelor's of Arts degrees in Business Management and Southern Illinois University in Carbondale, Illinois with a Master of Science degree in Workforce Education and Development. She is an active member of Toastmasters International and received the highest designation of of Distinguished Toastmaster. Tiffany is an active member of Alpha Kappa Alpha Sorority Incorporated. Also, she's the president of the Christ Universal Temple Board of Directors. Previously, she served on the Clark Atlanta University CEO Academy Board, DePaul University Employer Advisory Board, and Indiana University Employer Advisory Board. We had this conversation when Tiffany was still employed at J.P. Morgan, and I took away so many tangible career gems from this conversation that I then immediately applied uh, to my work. If you had the pleasure of being a part of the April office hours where we talked about the essentials of an effective resume with Tiffany, then you know that this episode is going to be a treat. If you were not a part of those office hours but would like to access the information, you can do so on the website, ichoosetheladder.com. And then last but not least, if you haven't already done so, please, please, please join our email mailing list. You can text CLIMB, C-L-I-M-B, to 66866. Again, it's CLIMB, C-L-I-M-B, to 66866. And now, enjoy this episode with Tiffany. Tiffany, welcome to the podcast. Thank you so much for having me. Um, And I know it's raining today, so the fact that you are doing this means a whole lot to me. Um, So I looked up your title, and you're executive director, head of diversity recruiting at your current company. What does that mean? What does that look like? Because everybody has these DNI titles these days, and you don't necessarily know, like, in terms of day-to-day work, what does that look like? So what does it look like for you? So for me, it is recruiting diverse talent, primarily a focus on black, Hispanic, and female talent okay. to work within the firm. Okay. As we look at where we want to be uh-huh. in terms of our business, we need to ensure that we have a diverse employee base. Mm. So my focus is identifying people within our business uh-huh. that have the skill set to come and be a part of our organization. So that entails campus candidates okay. as well as experienced candidates. Oh, God. and so did you always know that this is something that you wanted to do or like, take me back to your first corporate job. Like what were you doing? And how did you end up in this seat now? (laughs) You know, it's funny. This is not what I had planned on doing. So when I graduated from college, I attended Clark Atlanta University. Had intended on going into the retail industry. Okay. Did that for a few years and said, you know what? I want to do something a little bit different, but didn't know what I could do. Mm. So I met some folks at a career fair from the bank and worked in the retail sector, opening accounts, things of that nature. Through that, I said, you know what? I could be doing additional things with this great skill set that I've built. And so I got into one of our entry level programs. Okay. And through that, you know, I was able to hone in on my analytical skills and really get some some great work working with our business clients. Mm. But then I got exposed to HR. Mm. And through human resources, I found my niche. I found my passion in the diversity recruiting space. And there's, you know, HR, especially at large banks, like there are different places to work. How did you decide to choose this or this this specific area choose you? That's a great question because there are so many different facets to HR. Mm -hmm. I was fortunately able to be selected to go out and recruit students. 
So mm. help the recruiters recruit. And by going to these career fairs and going to these college campuses, I said, you know what? I really enjoy that. Mm. And to be able to sell the firm, but get more great people such as myself into the organization, that's what really stood out to me. Mm. So I really pivoted into a recruiting role. Didn't start out doing diversity recruiting, so okay. just overall recruiting. Okay. But there were always aspects of diversity recruiting in my role, probably because of my passion. I went to a historically black college, okay. and so I've always been passionate about getting more students from the HBCUs mm. into the financial services industries. But then even looking at the PWI institutions, looking at how can we diversify our business by getting more students exposed to financial mm. services because that's the issue that we've had is financial services is not necessarily top of mind for so, students. So thinking back to like when you first started, mm -hmm. what did diversity look like in in the firm, right? Because I think even now diversity is still a challenge in certain industries and Correct. they're still, you know, your job is still necessary, right? Because there's still gaps that are within the diverse workforce and so thinking back to your first experience was it a very diverse group of people that you started working with no and, the, and <laughs> no to answer your question the industry overall was not very diverse okay. at that particular time okay. and so there were always very few people of color okay. and especially female yep. so financial services tends to be a male dominated industry yep. And as a female and a black female, I was really an anomaly, mm. which actually helped me oh. to maneuver through the organization. How, how? Because, you know, <laughs> we always say, you know, you don't want to be, it's always uncomfortable when you are the only black face, right? But for you, you use that to your advantage. How? I had to be very strategic. Okay. And I really leveraged my mom as mm. a mentor and a supporter because she was the only black female in the pharmaceutical industry. Mm. She was a sales rep. Okay. And you know oh, I that's would, tough. and I would hear all of the things that she would have to go through. So I had mentors such as herself to really help guide me because it's daunting. Mm -hmm. You walk in the room, every event you go to, you're the only black person. And, you know, I went to an HBCU. Some people haven't heard of my school before. Mm. And then people... Oh, and then when the conversation is, where'd you go to school? Where'd yeah. you go? And oh, they're like, was... Harvard, Stanford, right. Clark. And they're like, I'm sorry. Clark, like, where, where is that? <laughs> what, what kind of school is that? You know, and so you have to really be confident mm -hmm. in yourself mm -hmm. because through those conversations, you can, it can make you feel that you are not the same quality mm. as others that you're meeting with. So for me, I just basically use it as an advantage to say, hey, I'm going to come in and learn about this business mm -hmm. and maneuver my way through. And people don't forget you. So being a black female, mm. when there are very few people knew who I was, and I always tried to carry myself in the most professional way so that I was thought about in a favorable way. So if there were opportunities that opened up, people say, oh, I met Tiffany White. She was great. She's done these things. And people would, would think of me in that manner. And you touched briefly on mentorship, right? Mm -hmm. So your mom served as one of your first mentors. Mm -hmm. How else has mentorship played in your career in terms of where you go, how you think about your career? And then on top of that, how did you find your mentor? So mentorship is very, very important. And I've always said that's the, really the key to your success mm. in an industry or within a company. It's interesting because one of my key mentors was actually my manager. Oh. And we, you know, she hot, we, we met through a networking situation. Okay. And it turned out she had a role coming up and she hired me. Mm. After she left the firm and was no longer my manager, she continued to work with me okay. and mentor me. And so we just kind of, I would say, fell into that situation. But our personalities really gel. Okay. And she had a vested interest in me and developing mm. junior level talent. So sometimes it's people who you work with, maybe as an immediate manager or someone that you've been on a committee with. There could also be people that are in other industries. So I have people that are not in financial services, okay. people at church that have also mentored me mm. who were, you know, strong women mm. that had been through a successful career and they want to help other people. Mm. And pull you forward. And with pull it. you forward, yes. What do those relationships look like, right? So I think a lot of people have mentors who they don't know are mentors and so they don't know how to leverage those relationships. Um, 
to help them. So for you, is it a formal structured thing or is it you have people for different things and then you call on them as needed? Yeah, I would say none of my mentorship experiences have been structured. Okay. They've all been unstructured. And it has kind of just flowed based on the needs. Okay. I think the key thing is you have to stay in touch with people because, A, you never know when you may need to tap into them or their network. And it, and it makes them remember you mm. and want to help you. So I would always connect with these individuals via lunch, via coffee, mm. send an email. Mm -hmm. And so that's how we stay connected because some people often think that it's up to the mentor to schedule time with you and it's their responsibility to reach out to you. It's really a two-way street, mm. but as the junior level person, you should really kind of take the upper hand and and really be more proactive with the communication. And, and it's good to have mentors that can help in various capacities. Okay. So one may be in your industry that is connected to senior level management who could help you maybe get considered for another role. Mm -hmm. There could be someone that could write a reference letter for you for graduate school. Mm. So I would say they all serve different purposes. The key thing is that you have to stay connected and let them know you appreciate them. Because mm. oftentimes, and I've been a mentor to other people, some people I don't hear from, they don't thank me for some of the things that I've done. Until the next time they need something. Yeah, and I'm like, wait a minute, I haven't heard from you in like 10 years. You know, but those people who stay in touch with me, even when they don't need something, mm. are the people that I remember. Mm. Um, and you touched that. That's so good, people. Don't just reach out when you need something. Because um, nobody likes to feel like they're being used, regardless of where you are you know, in life. And the other thing, too, I just thought about, too, there is also this term that is often used called sponsors. Mm -hmm. So a mentor and a sponsor could be two different people. Okay. A sponsor could be someone that is more senior level, that is at the table with senior leaders, mm -hmm. that can talk on your behalf, mm -hmm. that can bring your name up for a role that people hadn't thought about you for. Mm. So people can serve in different capacities. Your sponsor could also be your mentor, but it may not necessarily be the same person. Mm. And what I've always been told and what we tell people coming in to the organization right out of college is that you want to have both. Mm. So you want to connect with people so that they could be a potential mentor or a sponsor to you, but people will only do that if you act accordingly. Mm -hmm. So you have to know how to carry yourself, you have to know how to communicate, mm -hmm. and you really need to own your experience. Mm -hmm. And that means knowing when you need help, and knowing when you don't know what to do, and feeling comfortable mm -hmm. reaching out mm -hmm. to one of those individuals versus making a wrong turn and it's hard for that person to help you if you've done something that yeah. <laughs> that's not appropriate. Yeah, um, and you touched on this briefly earlier about you know your network, and we hear the phrase all the time: your network is your net worth, your network is your net worth, um, which is true. And right. some people I think have um, have challenges with cultivating a network that they feel is effective. Right. So how have you thought about and gone about structuring and creating your network? You know, I really thought about what I want to do in terms of my career path okay. and really try to align myself with individuals that are either in those industries, okay. are connected to those industries, or people that, you know, I've, I've even worked with before. Okay. Because it is, I mean, like, I've never applied for any job at the bank. So that first job I applied for, just okay. to get in. Yep. But after that, individuals reached out to me mm. for all of the other roles that I had. So, you know, and that was only because I had a strong network. If I had not had a strong network, I would have just been submitting applications and I wouldn't have gotten any response, mm. but because people knew my work mm. and my work product, mm -hmm. that network actually helped me with my net worth. Mm. So that piece is very important. Regardless of what industry you're in, having the right network is important. And you should have a variety of different networks. So I have my work network. Okay. I have my church network. I have my sorority network. Okay. I have networks from previous employers. Mm. And so I have all of these individuals that I can tap into. And then I'm also always building. So I'm on LinkedIn frequently, and I'm looking to connect with additional people. So I don't feel like, okay, now my network is tapped out. Mm. I don't need to meet any more people. I'm on LinkedIn networking, going to different events, networking, connecting with people, because you just never know mm. what you may want to do or what those connections can lead to.
And a lot of times I think people think networking is going out, getting business cards, and that's it. So how do you define networking? Networking is definitely not just that. <laughs> so getting a business card is one thing, but you know, I look at business cards I've had from people that I've not heard from. I'm like, I don't even remember the context in which we met. And, mm. and so the key thing is the contact and staying in touch. So what, what I've heard individuals say that really work well is after you meet someone, it's following up with that person, either via phone or via email. Mm -hmm. Scheduling time for either a phone conversation or coffee. Mm. And then just continuing to stay in touch. And it's two-sided, so it's not just you talking about yourself and what you want to do and what you need. Mm -hmm. It's also learning about that other individual, okay. learning about their background, getting tips on how they have been successful or what pitfalls mm. they have had in their career. So it's mentoring and just networking is really an ongoing mm -hmm. process watching mm -hmm. because you have to stay connected to people. You mm -hmm. can't just meet them at an event and then you never hear from them again until 10 years later when you're looking for a job. Mm. Yeah, I mean, it's true. And I think it's because people don't know what to say. So you meet someone and you follow up, and then the second time or the third follow-up, it's like, well, what am I supposed to be saying? Right. And you have to be very deliberate about that because I have people that want to meet with me and they don't have an agenda. Mm. Meaning, you know, they're looking for me to kind of lead the conversation. I was like, okay, well, wait a minute now. <laughs> you schedule time to meet with me. Yeah. And, you know, you should always have a couple of key things that you want to talk about, whether it's, hey, I'd like to learn more about your background and experience or I'm looking to get into this particular field, is there any advice mm -hmm. that you have for me? Mm -hmm. Or I'm having a challenge and you know I'm, I've got a poor performance review. Mm. What are some things that I can do to overcome this situation? Mm -hmm. So it's having at least one or two things. The other thing too I think is important is try not to take too much of an individual's time. Mm -hmm. So instead of putting an hour on the calendar with someone, you put 30 minutes, mm -hmm. you have specific things that you want to talk about. Mm -hmm. And, you know, if you're in early, fine, but at least you have an agenda mm -hmm. and research that person. Mm -hmm. So oftentimes people meet with me and they don't know anything about my background. I mean, now everything is so readily available. Mm -hmm on social media. Mm -hmm. LinkedIn, you can look at somebody's profile and at least have a basic sense. You can Google people. Mm -hmm. Just so that you have, like those individuals that have looked me up and brought some of that information into mm -hmm. the conversation, I said, you know what, they were really prepared mm. for this conversation and not just expecting me to help them with something. Mm -hmm. Like they actually, and preparation is key because you never know, I may have a role or know somebody that's looking for someone with that skill set and if I've just met that person they're fresh on my mind mm -hmm. if they left a positive impact then those are individuals that I would be willing to refer mm -hmm. to other colleagues or just you know people in my network and I know for me as I've gotten to know my mentors more I know what they're interested in mm -hmm. so even if it's not a meeting if I see an article that right. I think could help them or that they may or may not have seen right. I will sport it on be like hey saw this just thought you might, you know, I don't know if you've seen it, but thought it was interesting based on your skill set. So you mm -hmm. don't always have to meet them in person, right? Not at all. And here's the thing. It could be even a kind of, like, my, one of my mentors loves Kenny Chesney, who's a country music singer. Every time I see he's going to be in Chicago, I'm like, hey, have you seen this? He's going to be in town. So, you know, it doesn't have to be an in-person thing. Mm -hmm. It could be, you know, inviting them to an event or mm -hmm. something like that. So you can be as creative with it as possible. I think the key thing is just to touch base and be comfortable having a conversation mm -hmm. because what I've seen with some young people is that it's hard for them to have a verbal because you conversation. guys are intimidating when people <laughs> are young no seriously yeah. I remember um when we when I first got out of college everyone seems so important right, right. their titles are intimidating right. and so people are like well what am I going to offer this person what right. do I have to say what if I say something wrong right and so I think because you are you you don't understand that yeah, that yeah. the person on the other side of the table might be like Man, she's so amazing. I, I can't. <laughs> I can't even talk to her. You know, because yeah. we think that you may not understand where we are, even though that's not true. Because right. obviously, you guys were us at one point. Right. But it's. I mean, it's scary, man. You look at someone's title and you're like, oh man, <laughs> oh man. And so, but you have to work through that. Yeah, you, you do. Ask. And you know, you have to remember that you are a dynamic individual in your own right. So regardless of, you know, if you're just right out of school, you're just starting your career, 
we really want to talk to people like that, mm. right? Because it helps us to help other people. Mm. And sometimes we'd rather talk to individuals like that than talk to people that are at our own level mm. because we can help help groom and, and, and really help play a part. And we want to do that. And I understand some people have intimidating personalities. Mm -hmm. And so it can be hard to figure out how to, how do you connect with somebody? Like, what is the first thing that I say? And so that's why it's important to really practice it mm. too. Practice it with family and friends. If you're still in school, going to networking events, putting yourself out there, mm -hmm. having a couple key things, whether it's just current events or things that you can talk about, mm -hmm. because it makes you more comfortable mm -hmm. speaking with folks. And then there's also an organization that I'm in that's helped me tremendously, Toastmasters International. Okay. And it is an organization that was created to help people enhance their communication and leadership skills. Okay. So it helps you speak off the cuff mm. and it helps you speak in front of groups and just different speaking situations. And so that's something that I would definitely recommend as well. Because I think the more you put yourself out there, the better. So the more students that I've talked to that said they've gone to these networking events, they become more comfortable, mm. even though it was scary as ever. Mm -hmm. <laughs> but once they make that connection, they're like, oh my gosh, my skills are improving mm -hmm. after I've done this several times. That's just like interviewing. The more you do it, like people get, it's okay to be nervous beforehand but you learn something from every experience mm -hmm. that you can take into that next experience. Got it. And let's talk about scary, right? So for a lot of people, the corporate culture is scary, especially right. if you're a black woman, right? right? Because there are so many rules and so many unwritten rules right. around what is appropriate, what isn't. So let's talk about hair for a minute. Have you seen, um, first of all, is there an acceptable corporate hairstyle for black women? And have you seen that change as you've been in the industry? There is. Okay. And, you know, what I will say, it depends on the industry. Okay. So, I, you know, I will say it depends on the industry. And essentially, neat is really the key thing. Okay. A neat hairstyle. Now, neat to me could be different than neat to you. Okay. So, I, I think you have to think about the environment that you're in. Okay. And the base of people that you're working with. Okay. So, in, in our environment, we have people with all different hairstyles. Okay. So, we have people with natural hair maybe a slight afro we have people with perms we have we so we have a variety of different hairstyles the key thing is neat okay. and now has it changed over the years yes so i have seen the pendulum change just overall in terms of attire like everything has really changed many environments now you can wear blue jeans to work mm. corporate environments where you can wear jeans like we're able to wear blue jeans to work but it's all about having a neat presence. Mm. So if somebody has locks, nobody cares that they have locks. But, you know, is it neat? You know, are, are they carrying themselves appropriately? And right now there's a, a movement about bringing your whole authentic self to work. Right. For you, what does that mean? Bringing my authentic... Well, first, do you, do you feel like you bring your... You're at the place in your career where you bring your whole authentic self to work. And if you do, what does that look like for you? At this point, I would say yes. Mm -hmm. Now, if you'd asked me years ago, I would have said, you know, I have a work self <laughs> and I have a personal self. And I really, over the years, tried to find ways to merge the two so that I can be who I am mm -hmm. at the office. What does that mean for me? That means being compassionate, even though I'm in an industry that may be considered as cutthroat. That's not me. So I, I can't pretend to be that, and that's not what I am. Mm -hmm. I'm compassionate. I am very easy to work with. I am willing to help young people and willing to do what it takes to prepare the future. Mm. And so if that means having to push back on somebody that says, oh, we don't want to hire this person because of that, then that's what I have to do. Mm. And so it, it, it took a while to get to that point because you feel like, okay, if I act this other way, then they may not want to keep me mm. or, you know, my opportunities may be few and far between. But I've had to recognize who I am, which is someone that is all of the things that I mentioned. But I'm also professional, mm -hmm. and I'm also a very hard worker. Mm -hmm. So my style may be different than the next person, but I bring a unique value to the organization and I know it's tough because when I interview college students some of them are concerned about not being able to bring their whole self whether that is 
their sexuality mm. or being a person of color and you're the only person in the room that's a person of color. Mm -hmm. People may not have been around individuals such as yourself before. And what I teach them is you have to be yourself because you won't enjoy what you're doing or the environment. Mm. But it's knowing how to manage that so that people really get to know you, but it's, it's at your pace. Mm. And it's not that, you know, you come in and say, oh, okay, I want everybody to respect me because A, B, C, and you have to know how to manage it as an individual. Mm -hmm. And part of that is not sharing every aspect of your personal life. Like, people don't need to know every aspect of your life. They don't need to know that I went to this bar this weekend or that I did this or... And so we have to know what it is we should be sharing mm. and what is not appropriate. Because people will ask you, and based on what like, you... what did you do this weekend, yeah, what you, yeah, and so I'm very particular about what I will say about what I've done for the weekend because people will make judgment based on what you say. And it could be different judgment for a person of color mm. versus someone that is not a person of color. Mm -hmm. And so we have to be very careful about that. It's, it's great to have a, a good time and, and do what you like to do in your personal time, but you don't necessarily have to come and tell everybody what you're doing or have it all on social media so that people you work with see that. Because people do look. Mm. You know, and even in, you know, interview situations, you have to be very careful because now since so much is on social media, people may be looking just to see what's out there about you. Mm -hmm. And, you know, there could be individuals that have done things that are not a deemed appropriate mm -hmm. that could be held against them. Mm. <laughs> Preach! <laughs> uh, you talked a little bit about sometimes maybe needing to push back. Mm -hmm. um, and we all know that there are stereotypes about black women's communication style, whether that you're too aggressive in your communication <laughs> or you don't want to be the angry black woman. Do you think about that? And has it changed um, as you've gotten more senior in your career, your communication style and how you think about um, maybe being direct but mm -hmm. not be, I don't even know if you care about the stereotype, but... Yeah, well, you know, and that is a great point because and male and female face that. Mm -hmm. You know, men, the angry black man. Mm -hmm. And so for us, we have to be very strategic because the, sometimes the stereotypes are there. So I'm always mindful about how I am, how I am perceived. Okay. And so I'm always thinking about, okay, based on what I say, how are people perceiving me? Because I don't want that type of perception. Mm -hmm. And it's okay to not agree. I think that's the thing. You don't have to agree with everything, but it's all in how you say it. Mm. You know, there could be people that are still trying to figure out how to manage their anger mm. <laughs> or disagreement with situations. So mm. you, it's, it's okay to kind of take a deep breath and stop for a second and really think about, okay, will this answer affect me, A, either losing this job mm -hmm. <laughs> or people perceiving me in a not so great light. Mm -hmm. So for me, it's always been, I've always been a calm person anyway. Mm -hmm. And even if something bothered me, no one else would know. Yeah. <laughs> and so it's knowing how to, how to push back and how to be direct and still be professional mm -hmm. and have evidence. It's okay to disagree, but have evidence as to why you, because somebody may say, oh, well, you disagree. Well, what, why? And some people can't explain mm -hmm. why they don't agree. Mm -hmm. So it's having the facts or saying, you know what? I do have some facts that I've been thinking about. Let me come back to you, mm -hmm. you know, with, with some things. But it's never good to storm out of the room, get an attitude, roll your eyes. And, you know, those are things that over the course of my career that I've seen people do. Oh, really? Yeah, raise their voice, and you can't, you can't do but that. But the thing is, I think the argument is, well, white men get to do it. How come right. we can't? Right. There's a double standard, unfortunately. Mm. Unfortunately, there is a double standard. And I know in some environments, that's the manner in which they communicate. Mm -hmm. And so you, we just have to be mindful mm -hmm. of how we carry ourselves, how we're being perceived. Because somebody may be considering you for a managerial role, and they say, oh, well, she, that person may treat their employees mm. that way as well. And so, you know, it just you just have to be very calculated mm -hmm. versus a white male. Somebody may be willing to take a chance on him. Because he is a white male, he went to this school, he's done this. Mm -hmm. They may not have that same passion or interest mm -hmm. in us. So sometimes there is a double standard. Mm -hmm. um, so... I think a lot of times you talk about, you know, someone may be looking at you for a managerial role. I think a lot of times people don't, especially women, black women, don't take 
higher level promotions because of the fear, mm -hmm. right? Like at your role, there is a microscope on you because there's not that many black women in your position in, in the financial service industry, period, right? So one, can you talk about how you know when you are ready to move to that, how you've known in the past when you were ready to move to that next level? Um, and then how have you, how have your views on mistakes changed as you've gotten more senior? Because I think a lot of times the fear of like, man, I don't want to mess up in front of everybody because now they're going to be like, oh, watch is not that great. Oh, we thought she was and all those things. So how do you overcome that? You know, it is challenging because sometimes you don't always know when you're ready. Mm. Sometimes it's other people see things in you and they say, you are ready. Mm. You may not agree, but <laughs> you take a chance. And that's actually what's happened with me, where my managers have seen things in me that I haven't seen in myself, or mm. people have seen things in me that I haven't seen in myself. So I took a risk. Was it scary as ever? Yes. <laughs> but you know what? You have to take risk in order to develop, in order to move up. And so that's what I've learned over the years is I hadn't always thought I was ready. And I hadn't always want the spotlight to be shine on me. Mm. But it came with that particular role and I just took a chance. Mm. And you won't, you will be successful sometimes. Sometimes you will make decisions that some people deem are not the right decision. That's a part of learning. And that's one thing in most of these cultures, you know, they know People are not perfect. People make mistakes. Mm -hmm. And so the key thing is that you learn mm -hmm. from the mistake. Mm -hmm. And, you know, it's all about the experience. So if this situation happened, how will I not make that happen the next time? Mm -hmm. CEOs make mistakes. And they will tell you, but they said, if I did not take a risk, I would not have gotten to that point. Mm -hmm. And so I have learned to really take some risks. I left financial services and went to the education sector. Mm -hmm. That was a risk. Everybody thought I was crazy, completely crazy, for going into education and leaving financial services. But as a result of that, I was able to pick up more skills, mm -hmm. which prepared me for more senior level roles. Mm -hmm. If I had stayed at the firm, then I may not have been able to move up as quickly. So I had to take some, some risks. Mm. And it's, I have no regrets whatsoever. Did it challenge me? Yes. Did it make me stronger? <laughs> yes. <laughs> Am I still growing and developing? Yes. So mm. it's an ongoing process. But it's knowing that, you know what? I am, was put on this earth to make a difference and to make mm. an impact. And I can only do that if I put myself in different situations which will allow me to, to grow and to develop. My communication skills have really been enhanced by all of these different roles that I've had. I've learned how to say things, how not to say things, mm -hmm. and I'm still learning. So I think people should know that it is an ever-developing process. Even when you get to the senior ranks, you are still growing, you are still developing. Senior leaders still get performance reviews as everyone else. Mm -hmm. we, are, we all have areas of improvement, areas of opportunity, mm -hmm. and we're always developing, you know, our skill set. So you just have to be open, I think. There's, you know, some folks will say that they're not as open to the feedback, and that can hurt you as you move up the organization. Mm -hmm. Because as, the more senior you get, more people are going to tell you what you should be doing. Everybody thinks they know about what you do. Everybody has an opinion. And so you have to know how to be able to say, oh, you know, thanks for the feedback, thanks for this, and, and know how to, to move forward mm. with that information. And being a black female in an industry or an organization, you get questioned mm. and you, you know, sometimes get looked over for things. And so you really have to have the fortitude mm. to be able to survive in that type of environment. Mm. And can you think back, it doesn't have to be recent memory, mm. but mm. can you give me an example of maybe a mistake that you made that actually helped you in the long run? Like career mistake, like let's say you made a decision that wasn't right per se, and you were devastated, like, oh, Tiffany, what, girl, what did you do? <laughs> but then looking back, like it was something that set you up for success later. You know, I have a couple of situations that, that have come up. I would say being a manager, okay, and I had very little resources, and what I should have done was say, you know what, I can't do this job unless I get these resources. Mm. 
But being the worker bee that I am, mm. I said, I can do it because I'm going to be doing the work. I'm resourceful. The, yeah, <laughs> in addition to the people. But me doing the work, then I couldn't manage as much. And I should have just put my foot down and said, you know what? If I can't get A, B, C, and D, then... I can't move forward. And that that was a hard lesson I had to learn. And it has helped me now because now I am more comfortable saying, if I don't have what I need, it makes me look bad. Mm -hmm. And so it's a requirement of mine. And not feeling bad about it. I mean, as they say, you have not because you ask not. (laughs) So if you don't ask for it, you won't get it. They may not say yes. But asking for where you can, at the end of the day, you can at least say, you know what? I did what I was supposed to do. Mm. So I have learned, you know, some valuable lessons. Were there times when I should have pushed back and I didn't? Mm. Yes. And so I've learned that it's okay to say my opinion, even if I don't agree with the other person. It's important for me to, mm. A, for them to know I have an opinion. Because then people will say, oh, well, this person doesn't know how to make decisions. Mm. But to be able to give an opinion, be able to give the evidence, mm. and be confident in what I believe, even if it's different than what other people are saying. Mm. And we'll get back to managing people, but really quickly. So in the seat that you sit in now, you've talked about communication being really important. Mm-hmm. What are two other skill sets that you've had to develop over your career in order for you to be successful now? Building relationships. Okay. And that has really helped me because most of the people that I've hired, they came to the firm because they had a relationship with me. Mm. I had met them, you know, I got to know them. They felt comfortable with me. They trusted me. Mm. And they felt that this is a genuine person. Mm-hmm. This is a great opportunity. I'm going to take a chance on it. And being a recruiter, it is about building relationships. Mm. People come to companies because of the people they met, not just because of a job. Mm. So building relationships has definitely been something that's been one of my strong suits, as well as the support piece. So even when people get hired, mm-hmm. I am still that person that they come to when they need to talk, when they don't know how to handle a situation, if they need motivation. Mm-hmm. And so that's something that I have really prided myself on. And this is not just campus candidates, but senior level people as well as junior level people. I've had that support piece. So building relationships, supporting individuals, and then just having the passion Mm. and energy. That is something that has always been ingrained in me. If you're going to do something, do it well. Mm. And if you don't like aspects of it, that's not other people's business. Like when you're in front of people, you you love it and you know how to to sell it and you know how to be energized and smile and all of that. So that's something that I've been able to do is really whatever job that I'm doing, I'm passionate about it and it comes out as I am doing that job. Mm. And then you touched briefly on hiring people and managing people. A lot of times people feel stuck and they, you know, they feel like they're ready for a promotion, they're ready for a raise, they're ready for something new, but they really haven't thought through what that means. So before they come to someone like you who's their boss, right, what things should they ha- be able to check off before they come and say, hey, Tiffany, I think I'm ready for a promotion, or hey, Tiffany, I think I deserve a raise? They have to know themselves and be able to talk about the value add. Those are two key things because oftentimes people will come and say, oh, I want this promotion. I want to do this. And I said, well, tell me a little bit more about what you want to do. Well, I'm still trying to figure it out, but I know I'd like to, I like people. And it's, you know, really doing a self-assessment because just because you're doing a job doesn't mean that you want to continue doing that job. And I don't want to assume that's what you want to do. So you have to know yourself Part of it, too, is talking to other people. So there may be some other roles that may seem interesting. Do some research. Talk with those individuals to learn about what the day-to-day aspects are. Mm. And know that, okay, based on what I've heard, I like to talk to people. I like relationship management. Oh, I think a baker role could be a good fit for me. Or with me, technical skills are not my strong suit. I know that. But the relationship (laughs) management is and teaching is. So, okay, I could be a college professor, I could be in recruiting. So it's, it's really knowing yourself mm-hmm. and having done some research on different roles either within the organization mm-hmm. or in the industry that you have an interest in. And then talking about, you know, what do you bring to the table? What I could tell someone that I have strong relationship management skills. I can connect 
with candidates. Mm. I'm a great organizational person. Mm. Those are things that I could talk about and give examples. Mm. So I think it's important that people be able to really talk about themselves. Some folks find it difficult because they feel like they're bragging. Mm -hmm. Well, I don't want to seem like I'm arrogant. But you have to be able to talk about your accomplishments because that's the first thing that people are going to want to know. You did this role. Well, what did you do well? How is the how is the group better because of you? Mm -hmm. What did you do? What was your added value? Above and beyond your core job. Right. And, right. And, and that's the key thing, above and beyond. Because just doing the status quo is not enough. Because there's plenty of people doing that. Mm. The people that stand out are the ones that go beyond mm. what is being asked of them. Mm. And those are people that when they're looking at promotions and, you know, looking to give people new experiences, they're looking for individuals like that. Not the individual that may say, okay, well, I'm just going to keep my head down, do this nine to five. I'm not going to network. I'm just going to leave at five and go home versus the person that says, you know what? I know this project is due in the morning. I'm going to stay a little bit later today mm. to do this and get this done and get it to my manager tonight versus coming in early in the morning to mm. do it. And so talking about that work hours, depending on the industry, the corporate grind is very real, right? You work a lot of hours. If yeah. you're in New York, you're working crazy hours. Here you're working crazy hours. And then there's a narrative that, you know, work-life balance. You need self-care and all of those things. So for you, have you found some work-life balance and what does self-care look like? I have now found work-life balance. Okay. If you'd asked me that question five years ago, I would probably have said no. Mm. And sometimes things have to happen in your life to force you mm. <laughs> to have a work-life balance. So after having a health challenge, work-life balance mm. became more important to me. So I had to manage my schedule better and knowing what my limitations are mm. so that I could have a balance because having a balance makes you more effective when you're at work. Mm. And so I have to be more deliberate now about scheduling things mm. and about my overall schedule versus before it was work, work, work. Mm. Work was 90%, work life, the balance was like 10%. Mm. And now I, that, that equation has changed tremendously, but that was because of me. And because of that, I lost relationships because I wasn't keeping in touch with people. Mm. And I wasn't taking care of my body. That's the other thing, too. You have to really take care of yourself. If you're working, like working out? Working out is important. And even if that means I bought some Zumba CDs, I'm like, okay, if I can't get to the Zumba class in person, I can do it in my living room. Or during my lunch break, I can go and take a walk mm. for an hour or whatever, get my exercise in. Because if your body is not healthy, you're not bringing anything into the workforce. Mm. You see my face, I'm like, oh, come on, so say that's something it. else. Say so that, and eating right, you know, because often when you work late hours, you don't eat good and you don't eat healthy. So it's making sure that you're doing all those things. And it's deliberate. Like, it's not fly by night by any means. But those people that are able to do that, are they live longer lives. Mm -hmm. And so you have to think about, do I want to crash and burn by the time I'm 30 years old? Mm -hmm. Or do I want a life where I can really enjoy it and now fortunately many work situations have remote mm -hmm. opportunities mm -hmm. you know where you can work from home and so that definitely helps in terms of having more of a balance okay i, I hear you i, I hear you <laughs> i hear you i'm gonna put some of it into practice i, I hear you um so thinking over the span of your career what do you think the best career investment you've ever made in yourself is going back to school and getting a master's degree. Okay, what prompted that decision? Because I wanted to teach college. Mm. And it's interesting how things work because through my recruiting at DePaul, I was able to make some great connections and they were looking for adjunct professors. Mm. And they said, but you have to have a master's degree. And you know, I was going back and forth about a master's degree before that. I was like, do I really want it? Do mm. I need it? And that really prompted me to get one because I figured that would open up more doors. So I went back and got the master's degree in education okay. from SIU. And was it hard? Yes, because going to school and working is very challenging. When I was an undergrad, school was my job. Mm -hmm. And so working a full-time job and going to graduate school was no joke. However, the investment was truly worth it. Mm -hmm. 
you know, I, I had to get a loan, but I had to do what I had to do. But in the long run, it pays itself back because now I'm doing adjunct faculty work mm -hmm. at DePaul, which has also created other opportunities mm -hmm. for me. So I would say that has been one of the best investments for made. me. Yes. Um, excluding your phone and your laptop, what is the one thing that you must have to be productive in your work day? Excluding Because those are easy and go right, to excluding your phone, phone and your laptop. I need spiritual guidance. Okay. So I'm a very spiritual person. Okay. And I start each day with prayer. Mm. And it really centers me. And so I also have some spiritual booklets that I can tap into during the day. Mm. So those are the things that really keep me grounded. Because I can go back to that and kind of center myself. Even when there's like a hundred things going on in the office, if I just need that break to like meditate mm -hmm. and get myself back to where I need to be, mm -hmm. I can tap into that mm -hmm. at any time. Um, and then last question before the lightning round. Um, so there's a lot of attention being paid to entrepreneurship right now, right? Black women are exiting corporate at pretty, you know, a rapid rate in order to become entrepreneurs. So what keeps you in like, why haven't you made the jump to entrepreneurship? <laughs> I wanted to get the experience. I feel that I could add more value to a business by bringing some specific skill sets to the table. Mm. And it was important for me all of these years to have a certain skill set so that when I become an entrepreneur, I have more to bring to the table mm. and people see my value. Mm. And being at well-respected firms, getting that great experience will make my business mm. even more impactful. Mm. And so that's really what I've been doing is preparing myself mm. for that next level. And has it been easy? No. Have I wanted to walk away? Yes. <laughs> However, at the end of the day, I will be more prepared. So when I launch my career development business, I will be so much more prepared than I would have been if I walked away 10 years ago. Mm. And so it's important that you build a skill set that A, will make you stand out and people will want your products and services. Mm -hmm. And B, when you've been with firms and you've done great work, that makes it even more impactful. Built-in clientele. It's the built-in clientele. <laughs> and you know, like to your point, things have changed. Like people are not staying in jobs until they retire like it was back in the day. Mm -hmm. People are making things happen. And so it's important that you're always looking at multiple income streams mm -hmm. as well. And what some people say is, you know, you could be working on your dream while you're working your nine to five to get the infrastructure built. So when you're ready to pull the trigger, mm. you've got everything built out. It's just time to, to do the work. Mm. Um, and then for you, what is the thing about your job that brings you the most joy? Giving people an opportunity to enhance their skill set. Mm. So being able to give a job offer to somebody, that's really impactful for me because I'm giving this person the ability, A, to add to their resume, but B, to add to their overall skill set, and I'm helping the organization because I'm getting people that can bring value, mm. which ultimately helps the firm. Mm. So that is what really makes me enjoy this type of work. Mm. All right, so we're going to do the lightning round next. Okay. Do not overthink the questions. Okay. First thing that comes to mind. Okay. What's the one piece of career advice that you wish you'd gotten earlier in your career? Ask for what you want. Um, what's the career lesson that took you the longest to learn, but has had the biggest impact? Being more confident. What is the one book that's either had the biggest impact on your career or that you could read over and over again? Ooh, that's a tough one. <laughs> that's a real tough one. Oh my gosh. I've read some good books over the years, and oh my God, I would say, so one of the, the great books I've read is called Masters, Guidelines of a Master, okay. which was written by my minister, 
okay. uh, Reverend Wells, and it talks about how do you master your experience, mm -hmm. and it gives you tips on what you can do to master any experience mm -hmm. that you're in. And so I read that book maybe a couple years ago, and it's so impactful for me now because I have so many lessons learned from a long time ago when I was not mastering my experience <laughs> that now I'm like, okay, I, I'm ready for the task now. So that, that would be one that I mentioned. Okay. And then the last question, we talked about this before in terms of sponsorships, right? The people who advocate on your behalf. We know that most career decisions are made when you are not in the room. So for you, what do you hope people are saying about you when you're not in the room? Tiffany is an effective worker. She works very hard. She is very passionate about the firm, passionate about bringing in the right people. She knows how to connect to the right people. And she is someone that we can trust because we know she will do a good job. <laughs> Tiffany, thank you so much for You're talking welcome. to me this morning. And uh, I can't wait to share this episode with everybody. Well, thank you so much for inviting me. This has truly, truly been a pleasure. And you are doing some great work. Keep up what you're doing. Thank you. And let's stay in touch. Absolutely. <laughs> I told you all that she was amazing. And you know that I like to share three things that I got from um, the conversation. And some of them may not have been new things, but there were things that... Um, I definitely needed a refresher on. First thing is closed mouths don't get fed. You never know until you ask. I feel like that theme has been coming up a lot for me um, in the past couple of weeks. The second thing, you have to be able to talk about your accomplishment and what value add you brought to whatever project or position that you held. Really, really important. And I think the last thing was around being um, a black woman in certain industries. And Tiffany said, being a black female in an industry or an organization, you might get looked over or you might get questioned, but it's about having the fortitude to be able to um, survive in those type of environments. And I think that that's what I'll say about all of the women that, um, the women who have appeared on the, the podcast is I'm so um, impressed by the level of fortitude that they have to have been in their respective industries for so long and are still really, really positive, really kind, really smart, and really warm people. Um, as always, if you would like to keep the conversation going, join us on Facebook at I Choose the Ladder or on Instagram at I Choose the Ladder. And most of my communications moving forward will be done via our email list. So if you are not a member and you'd like to join, then text CLIMB, C-L-I-M-B, to 668. 866. Again, please join our email list and you can do that by texting CLIMB, C-L-I-M-B, to 66866. Until next time, thank you for listening.